Welcome to the Media Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. And Kenton, I'm gearing up for my happy October, by the way. It is October 1st when we're recording this, and I'm getting ready to watch my 31 Days of Horror. Uh, I've decided to do my 31-day horror movie challenge as I've done. I, I didn't do it last year, but I two years before that, I did attempt it. And I've yet to do this completely the way I want to. Uh, so I've got very specific guidelines for myself this year. I think if I put a little structure there... I will be able to accomplish this because what I've done in the past is just basically say, okay, I'm going to watch a horror movie every night. And then I just decide in the moment what I'm going to watch. That didn't really work out so well. So I'm planning it out um, and I've got a really cool, I think a cool uh, month of horror movies planned. Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to, I know I won't reveal all the movies here. Actually, you have to go to my TikTok to see what's going on. I'm going to document all this on TikTok. And so what I'm going to do is starting tonight, tonight, I'm going to start watching the first week is going to be all movies that I haven't seen yet. So I want to catch up. Like there's been a lot of movies that have come out the last couple of years that I haven't seen. And, and, you know, just those movies that have been nagging at, you know, for me to watch, they have never gotten around to. And then the second week, it's going to be the quintessential classic. So the best horror movies ever made, the what's widely, widely accepted as like the best, like the exorcist and Halloween and those really, really great ones. And then the third week is going to be eighties week. So I'm going to uh, focus just on movies from the eighties. And I know that, you know, there are, there are probably going to be some crossover in these categories, but that is going to be my theme for the third week. And then the fourth week, just my all-time favorites. So my oh, personal favorites. So I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, I'm going to, again, I'm going to, every day I'm going to post a video on, on uh, TikTok reviewing the, each movie. And I think I'm also going to do a, a podcast as well. This is kind of a, it's turning into a bit of a self-improvement project for me. Uh, one of the things that I find I do a lot, and I notice this a lot because I edit my own podcast, is I say, um, quite a bit. Who and doesn't? I, well, I know, but I'm trying to uh, reduce it. And I, I realize that it's not something that you can really change very well, but I'm in an attempt to change it. I'm going to start doing my own uh, talk to myself podcast, much like the way Bill Burr does his off the top of his head. And I'm going to try and reduce the amount of ums that I'm doing. And so to do this, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm just going to do probably just for the month of October where I Every morning, the next day, I'm going to come on and talk about the movie that I watched the night before a little bit more in depth because I'm only going to do one minute videos on TikTok. They won't be very detailed, but this way I can actually, you know, give my thoughts on the movies in another way. So I'll do that as a podcast that kind of supplement the TikToks. Anyway, it's going to be fun. I'm just trying to do it for a, for a fun little project in October, and that's going to be my plan. Well, it sounds like your efforts to um, maximize your movie viewing well, it will actually take you far more time to do podcasting and planning. I, that's and not the intent. I'm trying to do this. I mean, again, <laughs> this is also trying to, to try and figure out a way to incorporate, you know, regular podcasting into a workflow like this. Like there's all kinds of things I'm tackling with this. So I'm just, it's a self-improvement project, but also to put some, some awesome content out there and to celebrate my love of, of horror films. Oh, that's great. What's your favorite horror movie? Well, when you said, I got excited when you said 80s horror movies, because I worked at the town cinema when Fright Night was playing there. Ah, yes. And which is a classic. And also Return of the Living Dead. Yes. Which I think is underrated uh, Living Dead. I think it's it's one of the best ones. It's funny. It's like the, the jokes are actually really good in Return yeah. of the Living Dead. I was actually, I just yeah. watched parts of that last week. I was uh, for the, another podcast I edit, Super Pulp Science. I like to put movie clips in there. And then, uh, so I was editing the first episode back for the new season. So it was a return. So I, I use clips from Return of the Living Dead. And it is, you're right. It's solid. It is funny. It is, I mean, it's cheesy, but it's intentional, right? It's meant to right. be like that. And I, I love it. So I might include that in my 80s movies, but I might include, I haven't seen all of those. So I might actually include some of those that I haven't seen. And yeah, the, uh, and Fright Night for sure. I'm going to include that one. I love Fright Night. It is yeah. such a good movie and so well-grounded in all the kind of horror tropes of the time, you know, like that kind of like, oh, all this stuff, watching the the old horror show at late at night, the, the late oldies kind of thing, all that stuff is in there. It's really, really fun. Oh, the Lost Boys, I guess would be in 80s is yep. uh, one. As oh, well. there's all, I mean, I mean that's so why. Many. I feel like the eighties is the best decade for horror films. So that's why yeah. I've, I've decided to do that. So, and maybe in a future year, I'll focus on another decade, but for this one, I'm going to do eighties. No, I um, think so. I, I didn't really answer your question about what my favorites are, <laughs> but, I, but, 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 uh, but that category is my favorite of your category. Okay. Without a doubt. Great. And, and one of the things I was thinking just the other day, um, so it's, it's great that you brought it up, but I was thinking about how one of the things that sort of surprises me is which of the 80s movies have legs, have lasting power that people yeah. still watch. And um, to me, I'm always surprised that Fright Night's kind of kind of like fall in a way a little bit when I think like there's no reason 
why Back to the Future should be celebrated by everybody and, and Fright Night should be forgotten about. I think Fright Night has, uh, it has the same kind of goofy teen fun that Back to the Future has. So I think um, I think we're, it's ripe to be rediscovered. I think there's a bunch like that. that are yeah, now they did, they did do a remake of Fright Night. I didn't see it. Uh, which I'm not interested in. So I don't think they should revisit it in that way. Rewatch the original. Don't, don't make another one. (laughs) Although maybe that's why, because there was only really one Fright Night and Back to the Future had sequels. So maybe that's why it didn't catch on because there was no franchise. But anyway, uh, today we are going to talk about streaming services. I've recently moved and that has caused me to reassess my, uh, cable package situation. So I've cut the cord and I'm trying to maximize my content so that I'm getting the most amount of content that I want for the least amount of money. So we're going to talk about that and talk about how I've organized this. But first, of course, let's get into some nerd news. Nerd news. What Beatle music do you look upon as being outstanding? Well, I'm prejudiced. I like my own. <laughs> I like Revolution Number no. 9. Name other favorites from the 60s. Walrus, Strawberry Fields, Day in the Life. This is from uh, CBC, a local CBC article here written by one of our former students, by the way. Long lost Lon, John Lennon. I almost said Lon Jennon. <laughs> you know, Lon Jennon. Uh, long lost John Lennon interviews from Winnipeg. Born journalists go up for auction. Have you heard about this, Kenton? No, I have not. So this this uh, was uh, a gentleman named Ken Zellig. Uh, not to be confused with the Woody Allen movie. But... Um, he had someone found in, uh, I guess, in a you know, stuff in the attic, like you know, a bunch of long lost tapes that someone found. Some some relative found it was uh, a ninety minute interview with John John Lennon and Yoko Ono um, that will probably they're expecting it to go for more than fifty thousand uh, dollars, but it's a really interesting interview, uh, and uh, so this is kind of a big deal, and it's also got a Winnipeg connection, which I thought was really cool. What, what, sorry, what's the, the, is the Winnipeg connection they found it here or is there more than they that? did find it here? And the guy who recorded it was from Winnipeg. So they, oh. but they, I believe it was recorded in London. He was working as a journalist for the CBC in London, England at the time. So I think it was recorded there, but he brought them home. He had them in his attic or whatever. He passed away. And then his kids or his grandkids went through and found the stuff and, and that kind of stuff. So that's, that's what it is, but it's just a wow. great, I'm, I'm sure somebody will publish it as, at some point. Uh, maybe they'll make a documentary about it. I don't know. They're going to, they're going to do something with it, but, um, but yeah, people are very, very excited about this. And, and similar to the David Bowie painting that we talked about a few months ago, it's just these kind of long lost things resurfacing and finding, uh, finding value in the, uh, in the modern world. So it's kind of cool. Well, you know, when I was a kid, my mother was a school teacher and she worked with a British guy. And one day she brings home um, these these um, photographs of the Beatles and they're autographed by the Beatles. And she's like, he told me I, I could show these to you, but then I got to bring them back. And I was like, this guy's a, an idiot for even letting them out of his hand. But but it turns out that this guy worked. Um, you know, he worked at the recording studio apparently, and he met the Beatles. He got them to sign like promotional photos and that gentleman passed away like years ago. And I remember, of course, my first thought was like, Hmm, I wonder what's happening with those, that Beatles stuff <laughs> that I saw. But, but, um, uh, I think that, and that's a Winnipeg connection too. And I wonder how much of this stuff, like the Beatles, uh, you know, signed lots of stuff yeah. and they went lots of places and they did tons of interviews. So they're, they're, you think there just must be a treasure trove of stuff out there. Yeah. And this comes from an era before everything was digitized. So th- like there's tons of tapes, physical tapes out there and the tapes will degrade over time. Like they do not stay good quality. So yeah. it's, it's like, there's a finite limit here to, to when we can discover these things. And it just kind of harkens back to an age in which we didn't keep everything. Like these days we keep everything recorded. I you know all radio stations record all everything that goes out over the air. That was not the case back in this time in the seventies and eighties. Um, so I just, it's, it's a different type of, of uh, media era. Era, and I think that's really interesting. So I'm glad they found them. And, and hopefully that kind of stuff does keep coming forward and we don't lose yeah. more of this stuff. Although, you know, there's lots of John Lennon interviews out there, but, you know, fans are very excited about the possibility of there being more to learn about uh, John and Yoko. Well, we've got a uh, Peter Jackson's uh, documentary is now no longer a movie and it's now a series. It's going to be on Disney plus. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that. The, and where he recut, let it be based on the footage and basically says the first you know, that, that the, the notion that they were fighting the whole time is not true at all. 
and um, that he's going to bring brand new insight into the footage, most of which nobody has seen. So, hmm. you know, like the, you know, when's the best time for Beatles nostalgia? And the answer is always like, yeah. we, it's like uh, you just can't get enough of it. Yeah. And especially there's two of them still walking planet earth, you know, like it's, it's like, sometimes I think, well, like when I tell people I was born in 1967, the Beatles were still together. Like that's the touchstone. You know, like that's all I have. That's all I have. For well, I mean, before, before when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, there's another, uh, thing you could, right. you could measure that by right um you were alive when, when someone landed on the moon um so you go. <laughs> well I, yeah you're right so we'll see we'll wait and see how long how far, much this goes for but i'm I'm just excited to hear it and then they did yeah. play clips of course you can find on cbc you can find they, they had certain clips but they'll release the whole thing later on cool. i'm sure uh next story uh facebook is under fire this week for uh instagram for kids who thought this was a good idea i mean isn't all isn't instagram as it is, isn't it just used by everyone? So this was my first thought. Like, like, okay, so so legitimately, Facebook was trying to develop Instagram for kids aged specifically age ten to twelve because that's because it can't go below ten. That's just weird. Uh, that's what they say. Um, but to to pretend that there aren't ten year olds on Instagram is ridiculous. Like I'm and, and as somebody who's a parent of children this age, I can tell you that they were definitely on Instagram before they were twelve years old. Or actually, I don't think uh, I don't think my youngest is on Instagram yet. But certainly, my, my middle child is, and and they have like you know they, there's this desire to be connected to their friends, and I get that they want to you know post and talk to their friends and that kind of stuff. And we monitor that. Like, we're like, okay, as long as we can keep an eye on it and watch and make sure that you're only connecting with your friends and not strangers. And, and of course it's privatized and that kind of stuff. But the only, only barrier to her getting an account was, are you, are you this age? Yes. Check off that box to say, yes, you are over the age of 13 or whatever it is. You just lie about your age and it's just not. And that's what everybody does and nobody cares. So why would you even think about doing this is kind of, head scratcher for me well it's probably a misguided attempt to protect the kids when in fact i can imagine the opposite happening yeah i I feel like it's a misguided attempt to monetize the kids and to find a way to get more 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 eyes on ads uh and now they do have a maybe and maybe they are like encouraged by quote-unquote success of facebook kids messenger uh, which is a uh it's like messenger but for kids and it's like a way for you know children to talk to their friends on facebook um you have to be connected i think i think the parent has to be i don't have a lot and my kids don't connect with a lot of their friends this way but i know that i know some parents who do use it quite a bit and i think the parents have to be friends on facebook and they have to know each other and there's all kinds of things in place for you to make sure that it's real people so i think there were like encouraged by that success and there's probably a lot of uptake on that because there's not a lot of other services that are similar to that online but i don't think anybody's asking for a specific instagram just for kids 10 to 12. well we also found out uh two weeks ago that facebook has research showing how bad instagram is for in particular uh women's mental health young younger women's mental health yeah so so there's that and facebook buried the research (laughs) Of course, of course so so it's like well let's get feeling let's get people feeling more depressed early in their lives yeah let's do that by setting up this new <laughs> yeah anyway so it's been quashed and they're just uh, like getting like the senate u.s senate there's a committee or something and they're getting grilled over this again so just a bad idea all around from uh from facebook and uh you know the uh, in a long line of bad ideas from yeah. facebook right they don't just don't seem to get it sometimes that uh they don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. They just think they're above it all, all above all the rules. I, well, I think it really, it just started with Zuckerberg thinking that he had the best invention ever and how else can we use this great invention? And I think like a lot of the stuff that make, that makes it terrible just didn't, he, he just like chose not to believe it existed right. or I don't know, like yeah. he, or didn't care because thought the other stuff was so good. I mean, I don't know. I don't Facebook. think he deliberately got into it for the ultimately for the thing, the ways it's been misused. 
No, I don't think so. But I don't think they've actually thought out. They didn't actually think out all the ways it could possibly be misused before going forward with it. Yeah. And maybe there was no way to anticipate all the different ways in which that could happen. But uh, certainly it seems that, that Facebook operates under the assumption that everybody loves Facebook and, and everybody needs Facebook in their lives. And I certainly don't think that's true. And I think that there's a lot of cases to be made for cutting Facebook out of your life now more than ever. And then I've certainly done that. I do not have Facebook on my phone anymore. I took it off my no. phone. I keep Messenger on there just because certain people do text me through that. And I, I, I don't want to bother telling them to switch over to text messages and, uh, and that's it. But I don't, I, I check Facebook maybe once or twice a week and that's it. I do not use it uh, as much as I used to. And I feel a lot better for that reason. Yeah. Oh, of course. Uh, like, I mean, I, I was never fully on board Facebook. I, you know, it's, it's a good tool to, to use for ads for clients sure. and stuff. It's good for that. But I remember the first year that I remember the advertising students were the first ones on it. And I remember thinking like, I didn't even want to be in my high school yearbook. You know, I think that I was my year. I think that was my year, Kenton. I think I was in, I was an uh, ad student when that happened. Was it? Were you well, Facebook, the first year I was on Facebook was my first year in Creekcom, 2007. So that was, that was exactly the same year. And so that it was very, oh, very new been, to all of us at yeah. the time. Yeah. 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 It would have been that year's second year students. Okay. I, oh, okay. I remember showing it to me and going, look, it's a yearbook in digital form. I remember that and me thinking, I hated the yearbook in regular form and, and, uh, and I, I'm not going to, so, and the last, the last thing I need is for the yearbook to follow me around. Right. And really it has not, the yearbook has not followed me around because I'm of an age where, um, I just don't, even if I were to see my friend, like I'm, I have some friends from high school on there, but even if I were to see them, it seems like so long ago, it just would be ridiculous for me to go friend request. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it just, it, it, it's beside the point. I got one of those the other day, actually. I got somebody yeah. like, who is this? I mean, oh, it's high school. And it's been, you know, yeah. more than 30 years since I graduated. Yes. No, not quite. Not quite yet. <laughs> not quite yet. Almost 30 years since I graduated from high school. And I do. And I honestly have not talked to this person. I didn't even talk to them that much in high school. Like it's that kind of a thing where, yeah. you know, whatever. Anyway. All right, well, that's going to do it for the nerd news. We're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the streaming platforms out there and, and what is the best choice for you on the Media Nerds podcast. This was the first time since 2014 that HBO did not take home one of the top prizes, best comedy, best drama, best limited series. Notably, HBO itself did not have any of the nominees. It was HBO Max, the Max size that did. And then of course we had Netflix's first win, Apple's first win, and Disney Plus's second year with a best series nomination. Things have changed. Netflix won a record amount of Emmys this year, correct? Um, oh God, I, I was thinking Tony's when you said that because that was last weekend. <laughs> Netflix won a, Netflix is now producing stage plays on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to be doing the new uh, adaptation of Hamilton uh, and they're winning a bunch of Tony's. No, uh, but Netflix Emmys, I'm pretty sure I'm going to look it up quickly, but I'm pretty sure it was like Netflix and all the streaming services made out like bandits at the Emmys. And it was certainly um, network TV is, was the loser because almost they yeah. went almost nothing. And there was not even very many nominations for those network shows, like the typical blackish, this is us, like those ones who get nominated every year, but there was almost nothing else. So, you know, this has caused me to reassess my cable situation and I no yeah. longer have cable. So I've decided to cut oh, the cord. Not even HBO. Oh yes. HBO. Uh, because okay. now I can get HBO without a cable subscription. That was not right. possible a few years ago. Right. So, um, so yeah, what I've done now is I've, uh, so I have cut the cord, uh, but I still do like, I do like aspects of live television. I still do enjoy the unpredictability of live television. I like to, and of course there's also sports or certain yeah. sports. Uh, the Winnipeg jets are ramping up again. They're just starting their season. I want to be able to watch Jets games on TV, that will be an issue that I have not yet solved. So I'm looking for maybe you can suggest some things for me. But as far as the streaming services go, um, I've actually I've actually started paying for CBC Gem, uh, which you might be surprised at. So it's five dollars oh, a month. Doesn't surprise me. Oh no, okay. Um, they got good stuff on there, and the ads are beyond irritating. So I would not begrudge somebody paying five dollars to stop that. Yeah, well, that that's and that's not why I paid five dollars. Actually, in fact, it was the ads don't bother me as much. I paid five dollars because I want to see News World. I want the news. I want a I want a news channel. Um, uh, you know, so and that's not generally available anywhere else. You can't get CNN on its own. You can't get 
CTV News Network, I wouldn't get anyway, but that one you can't get on its own. So CBC News World is the only thing you could just get. Five bucks a month gets me access to CBC News World. Now, the problem with this is they don't have a good, they don't have an app for any of the set-top boxes that are out there. They don't have an app for Roku or Apple TV or oh, Xbox. Yeah. So what I have to do is I have to, I have to cast it from my phone to my TV yeah. using my Chromecast. And I hate doing that. It's just such a pain. So what, I, what CBC really needs to do is they need to come up with a dedicated app that will let you just stream it from whatever box you use on your on your TV. And then the other issue is that when you take away the ads on Newsworld, what you get is you get to you, what you notice is how often they go to commercial break because all you get is silence when that happens. So I'm watching Newsworld, I'm casting to my TV and I'm watching Newsworld and there's Rosemary Barton up there with her panel and all the people up there talking and then say, we'll go away and we'll take a break. And all you see is the CBC logo and then we'll be right back. And that's it. And it's silence for like two and a half minutes, three minutes, however long the commercial break is. And then they come back and then there's a really quick weather segment with a weather guy talking about the weather in Ontario. And then they go away for another three minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, there's so many commercial breaks on this channel. Like that is the main issue. I would rather have the ads so I have something to watch. Yeah, uh, that's there. there's many issues um, in paying for streaming. That's one of them. Ad, when you pay for ad-supported streaming, there's that. Um, I found the CBC Gem ads to be intolerable. I, I, they're, they're, although they've gotten better, I will say that. But originally, they hadn't figured out whatever the algorithm was. So you'd see the same ad 15 times. Yes, like yes. And that's show. the same. Like, remember, Crackle was like that, too. Crackle was awful. Yeah, brutal. Every single, same ad every single time. And it was just no, no, no diversity. It was really bad. So yeah, that is that has improved, and but I will tell you, it was pretty rough during the Olympics on CBC uh, when I was watching the Olympics, same commercials over and over again. Uh, there was one ad that would show uh, a local one for the Red River X Fall Fair that was produced by students, former students of ours. Did you see that one? Um, I don't think I did. <laughs> it was just like, I could see this. I mean, they were great students, and I do miss them. You know, they were great students having class, but seeing their face every. Every uh, couple minutes eating ice cream and, and uh, midway snacks was not very uh, effective. And so that one, I, I, and I, but I do agree with you in that the content on CBC Gem is actually very good. They have lots of great shows. There's lots of great uh, connection to BBC content as well. If you don't have other means to get British content, that's one way to get it. Uh, so there is that. So that is a positive. The other thing that I've changed to address the need for live television in my life is that I've signed up for Stack TV. Are you familiar with Stack TV? No. Okay, so Stack TV is something a little bit different in the streaming world, and, and I this is the first time I've actually used it. So what it is is a set of live channels, essentially, um, to be their live channels and the shows that go on those channels. So this is, uh, first of all, it's owned by the Chorus uh, Media Company in, in Canada. We have Chorus, we have Bell, we have, what's the third one, Rogers. Um, just like in, in the States, how they have Comcast and all those other cable companies. We have the same thing happening here. So a few companies dominate the entire landscape in Canada. So this is by course. So basically, they've taken all the channels that they own and put them together in a package that operates independently of any cable packages. So I don't need a cable subscription to do this. I can just access it through my TV. And the bonus is that it goes through Prime Video. So it works through the Prime Video app. So you can just access it through Prime Video and add it on. And there's a bunch of add-ons. And that's one thing I've noticed as well in the last few years for these streaming services that Prime and a couple other ones have done these add-on things where you can pay for things in addition to just getting the shows that are included in the subscription. Disney Plus is like this as well. Disney Plus has the premium access stuff and they have certain things that you can pay to get access to. You can rent movies, I think, on Disney Plus that you can't rent other places. Uh, so there is that as well. So Stack TV, I'll tell you what the channels are. The channels are a bit underwhelming, to be honest. They're not the best selection of channels. You got Global, uh, the History Channel, Adult Swim, Teletoon, Slice, Showcase, HDTV, W, Treehouse, Food Network, National Geographic, and YTV. So these are not, <laughs> not the best selection of channels in the world. I don't watch a lot of them, to be honest. Like Adult Swim gets you some good stuff like Rick and Morty. Uh, Global has Colbert, which is good. So I can watch Colbert at night, which I really enjoy. But other, th other than that, I don't watch a ton of these other channels. But I do like um, that you get all the, all the TV shows that are on these channels. You also get access to on demand. So it's just like Netflix. You can go through and click on a channel and see all the shows that are on that channel and watch it. So I do like that aspect of it. And that is where I discovered uh, Rutherford Falls, which is a really good show that I watched this way. So that is something I like about Stack TV. Um, and then, of course, Prime Video as well. I have that as well. And I do, I do like Prime. I think that their shows have been pretty good recently. What do you think? 
Good, oh, good yeah. offerings from Prime. Yeah, I'm watching Prime um, and actually Disney Plus more than I'm watching Netflix at this point in yeah. time. So, and I don't dislike Netflix. There just hasn't been as much must-watch kind of stuff lately. That I yeah. maybe I just haven't run across the right stuff. And so I think we're, what we're seeing here is the evolution of streaming services in that, that in a similar way to the, the way TV channels evolved. Because you might have said, you know, 20 years ago, you might have said, I'm watching NBC way more. Well, we're going to talk Canadian yeah. channels. I'm watching CBC way more than I'm watching uh, CTV or something like that. Like you, you might watch one channel more than another because they have better shows or shows you like. The same reason why you choose Disney Plus over Netflix. So that's kind of the same thing we're doing. But the difference is that, you know, when we turn on the TV, it's already on and in our face. And the decision is being made for us. Whereas when it comes to streaming services, we actually have to make the choice. And that leads to uh, more of a delay. Uh, so it can be more frustrating to, to watch these things sometimes. Uh, I find that I'm not watching Disney Plus very much at all. Other than the Marvel and Star Wars stuff, there's not a ton on Disney Plus that I'm really liking. Uh, so I'm, I've been considering, other, if it wasn't for the Book of Boba Fett coming out in a, like a month, maybe, or two months or whatever that is, I would probably cancel for a bit. Um, because I don't think I would need Disney Plus all the time. Well, we watched um, Star Wars Visions. Yeah. Um, so, so, so we had it for that. And um, if you have not watched Steve Martin and Martin Short in Only Murders in the Building, that is a Hulu show that is yeah. only showing on Disney Plus in Canada. So yeah. uh, I've been watching that. So they've they've uh, they've sort of been luring me in with other stuff lately. Uh, that one, that one time, it, it really struck me as I think they completely misrepresented it in the promos for it. It did not. I did not think it was. I thought it was a kid's thing. I thought it was for kids. Oh. It was like goofy, fun, over exaggerated. No, this is swears. This is F-bombs. It has gore and blood. It is not for kids. Uh, so that was surprising to me. I've only seen a couple episodes of that and I do like it. It's not as good as I everyone else seems to be. Not as much as everyone else seems to like it. And I can say their, their depiction of podcast listening is completely inaccurate. I don't know who sits by the fire with a glass of brandy to listen to a podcast. I don't think anybody does I that think that's way. That's part of the joke. I know Martin, it is. Martin, Martin Short and podcasting are together is, uh, is hilarious. But I will agree with one thing, and that is Selena Gomez brings nothing yes that's probably the main reason why i thought it was a kid's thing to be fair you know and i get that she is an actress and she is wanting to expand and broaden her horizons and get out of the trope of being a kids related thing like that's what she's trying to do here but i agree like you've got steve martin you've got martin short two brilliant like amazing and she's just kind of sitting there like the third third wheel you know like she's like not doing much and she's just kind of there for and i don't know where like the storyline for that she's got things that she's hiding from them and i don't know where it's going uh but it's not as interesting to me as the other two for sure no and i think um what selena gomez brings i i, I made a mistake i said she brings nothing to the proceedings <laughs> she brings 70 million followers yes, or something that's right she brings all Instagram her fam yes. or wherever she is and um, i took my nieces to see selena gomez live in concert at one point and um, it was like a very boring evening and uh, all the way through it was not a good concert. But when I was watching this show, I realized I've seen Steve Martin in concert. I've seen Martin Short in concert and I've seen Selena Gomez in concert. And I felt the same way about their concerts as I do about their TV show together, which is Martin Short and Steve Martin are great live and Selena's not that great. Right. Same thing about the show. Oh, there you go. It holds <laughs> yeah. true. Well, anyway, that, that's the one that I've been, although I will say my kids still get a lot out of Disney Plus. There's a lot of animated shows they enjoy on there. And I, I definitely noticed that all the new programming or most of the new programming on Disney Plus, except for, you know, Only Murders in the Building, uh, most of it is kids uh, centric. So they have like a Doogie Howser reboot series they're doing. They have a, a Turner and Hooch reboot series they're doing. Oh. Uh, there's a Mighty Ducks one they did, like all these ones, and it's all for kids. And so that seems like they, they're figuring that's our that's our jam. We're going to stick with kids. There's a few things like that. That only murders in the building is technically a star thing, right? right. So and star is like the, like, well, Hulu. Like, yeah, you're right. It's Hulu, but so you're right. It's not even developed by Disney. It's Hulu, and then because there's no Hulu in the U.S., that's why they um, they did that. So there's anyway. no Hulu in Canada. You know. Oh, sorry, no Hulu in Canada. Thank you. Yeah, but doesn't doesn't Disney own Hulu? I don't know. Probably. I think <laughs> they, don't, they own everything. But it's like, can we roll it into the freaking? Disney Plus already. I, if they do own it, I might be wrong about that, but I'm, I I thought I'd heard 
that Disney Plus owns. I don't know some Hulu things like the uh, the Handmaid Handmaid's Tale is on Crave here in Canada, so that's not a yeah, yeah. that's a that's not a Disney pro- property. So there's certain things that are in different platforms. I'm not sure how that works, um, but anyway, Disney Plus is still kind of I'm still paying for it. So and I think the price just went up recently as well. I believe it's gone up by a few bucks. So I think it's Disney Plus is like twelve ninety nine a month. I believe yeah, something, something like, like that. that. So actually, I mean, I don't, it's fine. No, and I was going to say Handmaid's Tales actually aired. It used to be on Bravo, which has been rebranded to, I think, CTV drama. Right. I think it's called now. So it's like and, just trying to find this stuff. It mo- And the thing is, most of the stuff finds its way to, can- to Canada, t- Canadian TV somewhere. Right. But it's like it's become a real effort to try to find where everything is. Yeah, for Including sure. today's Sopranos movie. The, the new Sopranos prequel comes out today. Right free on hbo whatever that is hbo, HBO max, max which we don't have in canada right so it's we like I would, expect, I would expect to see it on crave or hbo no it's not there really it's only in theaters in canada today so now oh. yeah so now the question is i'm not going to pay for hbo and then go to the theater to see stuff that isn't deemed like, sorry, your money doesn't get you this far <laughs> whereas in the u.s it does get you that far which pisses me off um but then the other the other big question mark is when will it be on there and the and the kick in the ass might be next week you just don't know it could be there right away it could be there in months it could be never be there like there's just very little information about this stuff and and from, uh, and when you're in the Canadian audience, you kind of get used to it, but it's irritating. Yeah, and, and the HBO Max thing is is troubling because we we have all these and we see all these announcements coming from the states. And the big announcement, like last year during the pandemic, when they said all of our theatrical releases are going to be released on HBO Max at the same time, that didn't happen here, right? We don't get HBO Max, so that's not not the case. And I'm trying to think, and you're, and you're right, and the one that actually did drop here that I was surprised at was the justice league um, Snyder cut, which I thought was not going to be available in Canada when they said that it was going to drop, but it did. And it was free here. It was on crave and it was available for free. So that one they chose to release, but not the Sopranos movie. That seems weird that they would pick and choose. And the Sopranos movie, I I would have to believe it'd be more popular than, or better than, than the justice league, uh, which neither of us liked. Well, so. I, I've been hearing mixed stuff about the Sopranos uh, prequel and, uh, and um, uh, including the Globe and Mail today basically said the ending's terrible. And so right away I was like, wait a sec, does it fade to black? Is it just <sighs> like the series? Is it Journey? Um, <laughs> like, the, 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 the big, the message I got from the piece I heard on the radio this morning was that you don't have to watch the Sopranos to know what's going on. So they're really trying to get ahead of that because they figure there's going to be, and I'm included. I've never seen the Sopranos. So there's a wow. lot of people who have, yeah, no, I've never gotten around to it. Wow. Um, so there's, there's a lot of people out there like me who are going to be like, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to bother watching it. They're trying to tell people, no, no, you're going to like this. Keep you watch it. Even if you've never seen the Sopranos, still watch this because it'll be good. So See, I will watch it and I'll let you know if it still works. Well, I will watch it when it's available, but yeah, my we'll concern, find out when I bet my, you'll be my, next week. My concern about the quality, I'm sure it's an expensive movie. I'm sure it's a well-made movie. My concern is exactly what you just said, which is don't worry. You don't have to have seen them before. And I'm like, no, I want the one you have to have seen before so that you appreciate this. I don't want to see like, there's a guy he's called Tony. Like, I don't want that. Well, it's, his, it's a prequel about his dad or something like right. that. That's what it is. Right. So Tony Soprano's yeah. not in it. It's like the, the first generation. No, he's in it. He's oh, in is, he, it. is he? Okay. Well, James Gandolfini's son plays the same role. Plays oh, role okay. Play. I didn't know that. That's that's yeah. smart, actually. That's that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, that is, and that, and so it's interesting if, for nothing else for that reason. But I mean, I, you know, I'm just not. I refuse to go to a theater to see what I should get for my HBO subscription, and just because we happen to live in Canada, I yeah. guess we're not going to get it immediately. But there's no, as usual, if you go online and look around, there's no information about anything like where, where, like, where can you find this or how long will it be? They don't want you to know because they want you to go to the theater to pay to, uh, to help. Well, again, that, that's weird to me because, because Canadian theaters, like I didn't think they were, and I don't know who made this decision. Maybe it was no. whatever the Canadian media company that owns the rights to HBO, which I think is also chorus uh, cause they own crave and crave is its own service here in Canada. And so I did say that I, I am paying for crave again. I had canceled it. Uh, for a long time, I didn't have HBO. I think since what was the last big HBO show that I watched? Can't remember what it was. But 
Yeah, I don't know. Since then, since then, maybe maybe Westworld, maybe it was the last season of Westworld. But okay. since then, I I've cut it off and and not bothered with it. But we do have some more stuff coming up. Plus, you've been talking about things like The White Lotus and all these oh. other shows on HBO that I keep hearing about that are really good. So I got it back, and then I also told myself, well, this will also give me an excuse to catch up on The Wire and The Sopranos and all the shows that I've not yeah. caught up on. So I have that for that reason. It's twenty bucks a month, and I do feel like that's worth it for oh. HBO plus plus movies. Plus, you get um, yeah. you know, they're like, you know, movies that are a couple months out of the, you know, whatever they call it. Like I, I always call it mid range movies. Like they're not new in the theaters. They're not out on video yet. They're like in the middle of those two things. That's what they used to be. And I don't even know if that matters anymore because there's no video release anymore, but I don't know anyway, but those are the movies that you can, can see. So I could see, for example, something that maybe I missed in theaters, but can't rent yet. I can watch on that um movie channel and i do appreciate that i don't watch it on. again i like live programming i like to turn things on and that's another thing that comes with the crave plus movie subscription is you get the live channels of that so you can just turn on hbo and stream it on your on your tv or on your phone um without having to have a cable package so we're starting to see these companies separate from the cable companies which i love i love that they're doing that um i need Bell Media. Bell is what owns CTV and CTV Drama, as you said, the rebranded Bravo and CTV Sci-Fi, which is the rebranded Space Channel. And I would love to Doom Patrol. Yes. No, that's on Crave. That's on Crave, right? No, it's on. It's not. It is on um, CTV Sci-Fi. On Crave as well. So I, I watched it. I watched it on Crave because the my my issue is CTV Sci-Fi. I would love to have that because I love Sci-Fi, but it's not available as a standalone thing. I can't, I have to have a cable subscription to get that, so I can't. Right. So what I need Bell to do is come up with a a stack TV just like Chorus has done. But I think Bell has way better channels. Bell would be able to do all those like comedy channels, Sci-Fi channel, drama channel. They have all those kind of branded channels that could be really really good and like just a comedy channel alone on the strength of the Seinfeld reruns would be pretty good. Um, although that being said, Seinfeld, it's just been, I think today was the first day of it. Seinfeld is on Netflix. Now that just happened. Um, I just launched Se- uh, Netflix and the big Seinfeld, a scene from the very first episode of Seinfeld popped up on Netflix, which was really weird to see. So I don't think I need to see Seinfeld again. Yeah, that's true. Billion dollar purchase of Seinfeld or whatever. For yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like they, it's been right. It's been in reruns now for, Long, long, way longer than it ever was originally on the air. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, and they're talking, but I think they're talking about people talk about how shows like Friends and The Office have found a new audience in younger, like in our students. Our students love um, uh, The Office. They absolutely love it. And Friends, they quote it all the time, but not so much uh, for Seinfeld. That one is not catching on like those other 90s sitcoms are, right? Well, I mean, uh, Friends, I, I don't think Friends is a very good show. I don't think it stands the test of time, but okay. I think people are hungry for, you know, um, vacuous entertainment, I guess. And you, and, you, and you know how I feel about the American office versus the UK right. office, yes. where the American office kind of took um, the UK office and made it palatable to a new generation of people who don't, who, um, I guess you could say that the American version embraced some of the awkwardness, but the UK version at times was dark. And I don't know if you can say the same thing about the American one. So it's, it's, um, uh, I'm not surprised that those are the ones that a new generation likes. I also think Seinfeld is very much of its time. And a lot of those situations are not things that would actually happen anymore. Like how many, how many problems on Seinfeld would be solved with a cell phone? Right. Because there's so much like not talking to each other or comedic misunderstandings and that kind of stuff. So there anyway, that that yeah, Netflix thinks that's a big plus for them. But I would argue it's not as big as they they think. I don't think that's going to pound out as much as they think it is. Because I guess we'll know. see it. Well, I also heard this week um, or I read somewhere that um, young people are watching The Sopranos more than ever before. Oh, really? And that disproves my theory. So I should throw that out there, too, and just say apparently so. Apparently that has become a a recent um, uh, hot show for young people to binge. And, Interesting. you know, I, I, uh, I love that show when it was first aired. Part of me, I have it on my watch list because I thought I might start to watch it again. We've got the actors coming to the casino in a, in a few months to, to talk about being on The Sopranos. They have got a podcast called Talking Sopranos. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, maybe I want to watch it again before the actors show up and and uh, do that thing, do their thing, talking about the scenes and stuff. I might appreciate it more. 
but it's a lot. It's many episodes. And when you, when you know how it all turns out, um, I don't know. <laughs> when you know, I don't know, when you know what ends with journey, uh, then the- <laughs> well, right. I guess you're going to have to put a spoiler alert at the beginning of this, just in case. I'm not even right? saying what it is. I'm just saying it's journey. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But I said, okay. I said oh, earlier, you did. You did. Remember? I guess. Yeah, so. But yeah. I coming. Mean, who doesn't know that's how the Soprano ends, right? Um, people who are binging it for the right, first time. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, one more. So I've covered. Uh, so I've covered Netflix, Prime, Disney Plus. Um, what else have I got here? Disney Plus, Netflix. The other one that I should talk about is Apple TV Plus. Have you started watching stuff on Apple TV Plus yet? No, um, I'm probably going to get a new iPhone in a year and I'm sort of, <laughs> and it's like, you get the free subscription with the iPhone. Yeah, but I, here's the thing. I think that might be going away soon. Cause in my opinion, Apple TV has been stepping up their game big time in the last yeah. year, uh, in the last year, more than a year. But when they first started, we talked about this in the podcast. It wasn't much. They had like that, that show with Jason Momoa where he can't see, uh, they had the newsroom or the morning show, or whatever that's the, the morning, the, their version of the newsroom was just called the morning show with Jennifer Aniston, and Steve Corral. They did not have a ton of shows on there, but now I'm just, I cannot believe how much they're knocking it out of the park. Tad Lasso won a ton of Emmys. It is so good. It is one of the best shows. Brett McGarry wow. of the coach, Brett McGarry called it his, one of his favorite shows of the decade already. And we're only one year into the decade and he already knows it's going to be one of his favorites. Um, for all, uh, for all mankind is another one that is best going in cold. If you don't know anything about it, that's the best way to do it. I'll just say it's about space program. And it's also very, very good. I've blown through that. Mr. Corman, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the podcast or not. This is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Unbelievable. Just a beautiful performance from him and really, really pushing the boundaries of what television is. Really interesting. And of course, and this is going to lead into my recommendation, um, but I'll, 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 no, I'll save that. I'll save that for recommendations because there's one more show I want to talk about that I'll save for the recommendations. But in, in any case, an Apple TV is only $5.99 a month. So that is a steal for all that awesome programming. So this, here's my, this is my official uh, call to you to get Apple TV plus you might, it might not be offered for free. Next time you get an iPhone, you know, you might want to just get it for these shows and then, uh, Oh, and uh, mythic quest. I forgot about mythic quest. Unbelievable. Mythic quest is a three season series. That's it. There's no more, just three seasons. And it is just perfect. The way they, they wrapped it up is just really, really well done. And it's so good. So yes, so many amazing shows on Apple TV plus you could spend a month just watching that and having a lot of fun with it. Let me say one thing about all the shows you mentioned, and I think this is one of the issues with Apple TV Plus, and that is none of those shows on paper appeals to me. Not a single one. <laughs> Especially now, when I say going now, cold, going, now, going, not knowing anything about the show. You're really going to well, watch it then. I have heard For All Mankind is excellent. I don't know anything about it. I've heard Ted Lasso is great, but everything I've read about it, I'm like, not interested. <laughs> like there, I haven't seen anything that may, and even the Emmys, um, where they, uh, Ted Lasso won something, but didn't win as many as for what the potential was. It didn't clean up like Shit's Creek did the year before. Right. Right. Shit's Creek not- is a different. So, but I would say Ted Lasso, I like Ted Lasso better than Shit's Creek. I think it's a better show. I'm not um, a huge fan of Shit's Creek myself. I watched the first three seasons of it and, uh, and I'm the biggest Chris Elliott fan yeah. ever. And I just went, oh. I'm good. I'm good after three seasons. I don't need any more of this. I get it. Well, uh, I will let me know. I, I think what's going to happen is, and this is a game, same with Brett. When Brett, I was talking to him about this, I told him about Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't appeal to me. I don't think I'm going to like it. And then he watches Ted Lasso and he's like, oh, it's the best show ever. So I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised because I had that same attitude too. And I think, uh, and I mean, to me telling you isn't going to change anything about it. You have to watch it to see. But I think when you end, end up yeah. do getting that, you're going to be pleasantly surprised by Ted Lasso. Um, it's it's very good. And I have I, one quick thing about Chris Elliott. Uh, I think you're right. I think okay. you're right, by the way. Uh, I was watching again, going through all the DVDs. One of the DVDs I picked up this summer was The Abyss. And that features a very young Chris Elliott in a in a straight role, not comedic at all. He's just a guy working on the on the rig or whatever. That was great. I love seeing him and I completely forgot he was in it. And, and by the way, that's a great movie. The Abyss is not, it's one of, I think one of James Cameron's best films and is not as, as, um, as uh, celebrated as it should be. He's got, Chris Elliott has one funny line in that movie <laughs> where he's, where he goes, what a bitch or whatever, <laughs> where, where he's, where, where he's calls someone a bitch, but you laugh because he's the bitch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> anyway, but there you go. So, so all in all, all this to say that I've reevaluated and, and I should also say that I'm still getting one channel live 
through conventional means, CBC, the original CBC channel, channel two, or maybe six, I think it's channel six for me because I'm not using cable. I'm getting it through an antenna. I have a digital antenna that I have connected to the back of my TV and have moved. It's actually pretty high on the ceiling now. It's close to the ceiling. It's up on my wall. So that's, it's like when you had to use the rabbit ears, remember when you had to move them around and of course. put the tin foil on them. I kind of was doing that with this thing, but the signal is crystal clear. Like, it's like I have cable for wow. CBC and I get, uh, that's just CBC. So I can just watch that anytime. Now that is also, I should say that is also available on jam without being paid. Like you can watch any local CBC channel on jam free. Um, but then when you pay the $5, they remove the commercials from that as well. <laughs> so that's awful. It's just awful. They should at least play a song or something during the commercials, do something during the commercials. Cause there's oh, like the boy. silence is, is just unnerving. Uh, by the way, I was going to say, if you put tin foil on your head, you might also get some conspiracy theories. That's right. <laughs> you don't just get TV. You get some, it just comes directly to your right. head. And it cures your COVID too. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> don't need a vaccine with that one. All right. Let's get an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to some recommendations and I will continue what I was about to tell you before and, yeah. and recommend it. And this is not going to come until you get Apple TV plus, but well, one more reason to get it is foundation which dropped last week with the two episodes and I, that's the reason why i couldn't watch all of star wars visions i told you because i i remember that foundation was on i had to watch it this is a series based on the um much celebrated series of science fiction novels by isaac asimov uh well regarded as like the best of the best like this is high level science fiction uh and it's never been adapted before many said it couldn't be adapted because of the complexity of the story because of the grand scope of like just the enormity of everything and they've done a pretty good job of capturing that in this i've only seen the first couple episodes but it's really really good it's this epic grand science fiction like dune like all these other you know huge like these star wars like these big stories and it is a lot like that and it's, it's really really enjoyable i really am liking foundation Excellent. That's a good recommendation. And I believe that everything that you have said about Apple TV plus to be true. And I love nothing more than to watch a show that you think, eh, I don't know if this is for me. And then you end up loving it. So yeah. That's one of the great <laughs> things about streaming. But the, right? I'll, I'll just, and again, I'll, I'll recommend to the, to the listeners to, to try out Apple TV plus and, and to watch foundation because that is the, uh, there's a lot to get through on Apple TV plus, but foundation. Yeah. And, and the other thing, like they are releasing it weekly. That's another thing I would like to kind of uh, talk about briefly is this, you know, recent releasing it weekly versus all at once. What is your opinion as far as what's better for star Wars weekly is better. So you can talk about yeah. everything you need to talk about right. for our podcast. It's better, <laughs> but for, um, for my anxiety, about wanting to see a whole show when I'm ready to see it, it's, uh, then all at once is good. So I, I think the jury's out on this, but I do like for something that's highly talkable, then I like the week to week. Yeah. And it, it does seem to be like Netflix is still kind of sticking to their all in one binge model. They release it all in one sitting and, and you can binge it in a weekend. That seems to be what they're going for. That's been, I think that's been kind of their bread and butter this entire time that they've existed, right? That's kind of what they brought to the table. Whereas Disney plus and, and prime are doing more of the week by week. And that seems yeah. to be like the one of nine perfect strangers. Uh, that was also week to week. Um, this, the one I was just talking about the um, all those series I was just talking about Doogie Hauser and all those are week to week. So that's just the, the way they're doing it. And yeah, they're fine. And again, this is what we're used to. And this is like old school TV, right? Having to wait for the next thing to come out, but I'm okay with that. Cause there's so much to watch anyway, that I just forcing me to pace it out. And I, I appreciate that better. And I, by the way, I've also caught up on Doom Patrol, and it's really good. Oh, it is really good. New season. Awesome. I think uh, there was a new episode yesterday, which I have not seen. I've not seen that one, but I, I've caught up on everything else. Yeah, so there no, you go. Me too. What do you have to recommend? Um, I'm loving Doom Patrol, like you. But I will, um, since you you got me thinking about week to week versus binging. Um, there's, I'm going to give you two things on Amazon Prime. Um, Nine Perfect Strangers was released one episode at a time. I guess that was that Hulu in the U.S. Yeah, I think, I think another another example Hulu yeah. and then released in a different platform in Canada. Yes. So Amazon Prime in Canada uh, that was released week to week, and I loved it. And they landed the ending, and now I think we're going to get a season two of Nine Perfect Strangers based on the first season being such an enjoyable watch. I have to say, it's just. Um, and this is another one where you don't want to give away too much, except Nicole Kidman runs a, uh, a retreat, a retreat, let's sure. call it. And, um, some interesting people show up, uh, with different all perfect, nine of them. And they're all perfect strangers. And they don't know. Just like, just like Valky Bartokomus. 
What do they do to the dance of joy? Can they fit in more? Would they go to a Cubs game and they, they go around Chicago and they, uh, no, uh, I'm not sure if you're talking about Ferris Bueller or one flew over. I'm talking about perfect strangers, perfect strangers, (laughs) nine, nine perfect strangers, perfect strangers, the comedy sitcom. (laughs) Remember? So anyway, uh, I've seen, uh, about three or four episodes of nine perfect strangers. I fell off of it because I was moving and I didn't have internet for a few days and I was all, I I just got out of the habit of watching it every week, but I did very much enjoy it, especially Melissa Melissa McCarthy. I thought was bringing something oh. to the table that she hasn't before, yeah, you're in right. particular. And the guy that was like her, and what was the other guy um, who plays the uh, guy, like her friend, Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. Also, I mean, he's been in a lot of stuff lately. He's been like really showing up a lot, but that one, he's really really good. So yeah, yeah. some great performances there. Um, and a very interesting premise. I won't say what it is because that's you know kind of giving it away. There's too but, much, too much surprising in the show that you sort of just have to. Yes, yeah. Uh, and I'm glad to hear you say it turns out well because I, I was you know that was Atlanta. my one worry. Although I will say that I saw our our friend Lauren tweeting about it. He did not seem to enjoy it. So maybe oh, Lauren well. uh, was not happy with it. But you know, I thought I mean I thought some really good performances so far, and uh, I will check that out. And then, sir, what was the other one you'd recommended? So, uh, and I'm going to say uh, to Lauren, I will say Sarah Silverman was tweeting how much she loved the ending. <laughs> and and uh, I and I did too. I actually thought they did a, uh, it, they they didn't cop out on the ending, uh, um, but it's hard to, ar- and it's hard to argue with where you sort of watch it and you kind of go, okay. And like partway through, you kind of go, wait a sec, what's happening here? There's still some surprises and stuff. But I, I think it's just a very satisfying, if it is a one season only, it's satisfying. Um, and if it turns out to be two seasons, like White Lotus, I think White Lotus, it's too enjoyable to not do another season. It's too, it's, it's, and Nine Perfect Strangers and White Lotus could be companion series. The well, way they are both about staying in a hotel, kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, they both have, they have both. Have, so, uh, and to answer your question, I'm just also going to say uh, that they dropped the entire season of the last season of Goliath on Amazon Prime. Oh, that's uh, Billy Bob. Billy Bob Thornton. And this season, and it's got a weird tone. The tone has changed. It's the last uh, season of the series. I've only watched a couple of the episodes, but J.K. Simmons is in it. Awesome. And uh, if you've if you've ever wondered what a musical number would be like with J.K. Simmons, look no further than the last season of Goliath because they find a way to make it happen. I, so, I, uh, I've never wondered that, but I am now. Because now you put that thought in my head. <laughs> so ah, it sounds awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. So there you go. Those All are right. the two, uh, both delivered in different ways on Amazon Prime, but I love them both. All right. Thank you very much for that. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of The Media Nerds. I'm Dan Vadabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. <laughs>